the best trait of an investor is questioning and curiosity. Look for the smartest person in the room. Don't be the smartest person in the room. Do you believe that founders make for better investors overall? An investor lives in the zone of uncertainty. I don't know. Let me find out. I don't mind being wrong if, as long as I can make money. If I had to take this call 10-15 years prior in this uh, environment, I would become an entrepreneur. What is your edge? Why would a founder take your money? That's my number one question. My best IRR is my own investments. And by the way, uh, people think VCs make fees. I have been negative cash flow in this business out of the 17 years, probably for 15 or 16. And it's by design. I want to be negative cash flow. Hi, I'm Sandeep Jetwani, the co-founder of Deserve and the host of the Create Wealth podcast. Today on the podcast, I have with me Avnish Bajaj, who is one of India's most successful venture capitalists. He was a founder of Bazi and sold it to eBay back in the day for $55 million. In this conversation, Avnish and I talk about his journey as a founder turned successful venture capitalist. How does he make investments into exciting startups? And how has he compounded his personal wealth? Uh, Avnish, one of the most interesting things... Uh, you know, I was doing some math around this, uh, 2004, and this is what Matrix website says, you exited Bazi for $55 million. I was trying to compound it at 15%. And today that number will be just short of a billion dollars. Yeah. So in today's value terms, it was almost like a unicorn uh, exit. Yeah. And yet after such a successful exit of its time, you decided to become a, a venture capitalist. Why did that happen? If you look at all the top consumer companies in India, they, the founders actually got diluted down, sadly, to mm. single digits. Mm. We were somewhere in that range. Mm. Um, but I think it's still a good question. Uh, and by the way, my, my kids remind me uh, that mm. if I had not sold, mm. we would be billionaires. Mm. And I would I tell them that it wouldn't change my life. And they're like, we don't care. It would change our life. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, but it would not be, it, it doesn't work like that, right? Uh, would we have given Flipkart a fight? Uh, probably. Hmm. So, so it could have been a very different thing, but zero regrets, hmm. genuinely. I think for your audience, it may be an interesting story. I have, the, I have taken the hardest path through the same outcome that people could have taken. You know the business, you compounded it. Hmm. I have not stayed long enough in things to compound and that's been my big learning mm -hmm. and which is why I'm going to do this forever, mm -hmm. what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. So I joined Apple Computer when Apple at one point was worth 600 million, Microsoft oh. and I had, I don't know, split adjusted, I had once done the math. I had 5,000 shares at the time which today would be seven, eight, hundred thousand or something like that and you know the value of yeah. the stock. Anyway, when I did the math, it was very, very large number. Sure. Then I joined Goldman Sachs before it went public. I had a big stock grant. I, I left as soon as they went public and that stock went up a lot. So actually, like for like, when I did the math after Bazi exit, I was worth the least than if I had stayed at Apple or stayed at Goldman Sachs, right? But I enjoyed it the most. Mm. So I think that kind of is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, because money is just an outcome. You know, people generally wanting to, who are too focused on the out, outcome, they tend to take shortcuts, which is what I was taking. Mm -hmm. I did start Bazi in the dot-com bubble because I thought I could make a lot of money quickly. Mm -hmm. 
it was not quick it was very painful and money in my view is a gap between your your means and your wants and whereas it should be the gap between your means and your needs mm-hmm. and people confuse their uh, wants and their needs fortunately that has not, never happened with me mm-hmm. i drove the same car for the following 5 years until my wife basically said you know wherever we go out the valet is the last to bring our car can you upgrade the car right so why did i do this so at that time today i know this do you know this concept of ikigai of course i didn't know that it was called ikigai but i did sit down and i said how do i think what framework should i apply having done an mba i have to have frameworks you are an mba what framework should i apply to the next phase of my life and i came up with this and it's a matrix moment podcast also uh, passion skill set and opportunity and ikigai is similar it's about so what you're good ikigai at ikigai about 10 years ago this is 20 years ago and it turns out that it's a much better articulation of this and it it says what you love what you are good at what you can make money at um, and what the world needs right yeah. if you work at the intersection of that then you'll be happy mm-hmm. and my goal was that um so i had two three paths i thought about i had already made 15 to 20 angel investments so i thought should i do this i'm really liking it founders used to reach out to me i was not on the board they used to say we want you to attend board meetings so i said maybe there is something here mm-hmm. so skill set is there passion is developing opportunity seems early but interesting uh, country might need it second was to become a educational education entrepreneur and professor because mm-hmm. i've always wanted to be that mm-hmm. and you will see through our podcast mm-hmm. so uh, and then i realized that it was more of a passion project and i wasn't really edu- excited about the education business mm-hmm. and then i said i can become a successful businessman and i can go teach wherever i want so mm-hmm. that went out and third was entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and having been a digital entrepreneur it was clear to me that the opportunity in 2005 6 was more for a services business and especially cross border than a local india consumer business which turns out we were right right it was too early so i said services i i i'm passionate about consumer brands mm-hmm. so that's how i came to this answer and then it was not question for maybe 10 years post and then seeing all the you know entrepreneurs like you take off i questioned it again saying is it time for me to go back into entrepreneurship and maybe we can come to that later and how did matrix itself happen matrix by this time i suspect was a investor out of the us how did the india office get so started? 2006 was um, a time where there was serious fomo about india mm-hmm. so sequoia matrix uh, nexus helion elevation which was saf everybody was set up at that time mm. dfj tiger summit um so we i partnered with rishi was coming out of sequoia uh, which be- what became sequoia and we were going to launch our own fund mm-hmm. and at that time all these uh global brands were also looking at india mm-hmm. so we got introduced to the matrix guys they have a, a history which people are not aware of they were the largest backers of indian american entrepreneurs in the us oh, okay. all those entrepreneurs succeeded with their backends in india mm-hmm. so they knew india they had visited india so when i told them there's no tech opportunity they said we agree mm-hmm. they said why do you want to do it by yourself you're going to be competing with these global brands and and obviously being starting out new in a business the mentorship uh, all of that was also important so then i wouldn't say it's an india office we always they re- realize that having been an entrepreneur the only way this would work would be a 
loose partnership, right? Loose joint venture. So I think the best way to think about it is they were the third co-founder uh, mm-hmm. of the firm, but the firm was always local. So uh, Avnish, for somebody who's starting off and becoming a VC, what would you recommend somebody who's starting up? Should you launch your own fund in current context, or should you do what you did back then, which is to un- under a broader umbrella? Because there's the elements of fundraising, there is elements of learnings that existing ecosystems bring. And then there are those systems and processes, etc. Yeah. So how how would you think about it today? Is this a person with a lot of experience and background? Let's say somebody like you today. Yeah. Who's been an entrepreneur, has a successful exit and is becoming a VC today. I think it's going to be very hard for them to raise money. Mm-hmm. because you know five or six or seven firms have established themselves mm-hmm. and the question will be what is your right to play and what is your right to win mm. so i would i would say forget global platforms and all of that the question is do you have a right to play and right to win mm-hmm. where i think the next set of opportunities will come in being a vc mm. is vertical funds Mm-hmm. So if you look at, there are fintech focused funds. Now over a period of time, like if you look at Ribbit, QED, mm-hmm. um, you would know them well given your sector. They have started off as a vertical focused fund and then diversified. Mm-hmm. And that vertical focused fund started because of the founder had experience in that. Sure. That's the only shot. You look at Together, Together is started by Girish, mm-hmm. Manav. They have a right to play and right to win. Mm-hmm. Why will They're an entrepreneur? SAS, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And why will an entrepreneur pick a fund? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think <coughs> horizontal fund very difficult. Uh, horizontal fund the opportunity really is in the Series B mid market. There's still a gap in India. It's called the 15 to 50 gap. Mm-hmm. If you want somebody to write a 15 million dollar to 50 million dollar check. Mm-hmm that market is still empty. Uh, It's us VCs who go up and then you get a syndicated round or it used to be the later stage investors coming down, but that was FOMO investing. Mm -hmm. Now they have also disappeared. So I think horizontal, maybe there's there's an opportunity there, but it's going to be tough to raise money for that. And just to explain this point, Avnish, uh, so seed and series A is when pre-product market fit or around product market fit uh, an investor is investing. And CD are typically growth rounds where you're funding the growth. The gap you're saying is between A and C, where typically it's like the valley of death in some sense from a funding standpoint, because there are no investors focused only on that category. Correct. And I think the way to overlay is there are three stages of a company. There's early PMF, scalable PMF and scalable profitable PMF. Sure. Everybody at different stages takes different risks. Mm. We take early PMF maybe scalable PMF risk between mm. seed and uh, seed and A. Mm. The C, D, E and so on investors are not wanting to take either scalability or profitability risk. If anything, they will take one of those which will um, essentially bring their returns down, but mm. they don't want to take be taking those risks. Mm. They are willing to pay higher practice. There's a very well-known saying in the market that I'll pay more for certainty, mm. right? We live, we are in the uncertainty business. Sure. They are in the certainty business. That's a big difference. Mm. The value of death is in between. Mm. Can you straddle both? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you have some combination of risk and reward going into your thinking? So the gap is in that because of this reason. Because that's a very different skill set. Mm. It is a little bit of this skill set and is a little bit of that skill set. Mm. And it's very hard. That's why people don't do it very well. I mean, tell me one Series B see a uh, big firm in the world very few 
the ones that have done well have actually tagged themselves onto some successful early stage VCs and just become their follow on sure. uh, investors yeah. right yeah. So, so in this part i want to explore a little bit later uh, avnish where we talk about like what are the skill sets as an investor you need at different stages of a company's uh, journey but going back to the original point right uh, do you believe that founders make for better investors overall now ignoring the fact that how you raise money etc let's yeah. assume that a fund is raised i am a ex founder employed yeah. at a fund or a partner at a fund would i do better than somebody who's been a professional investor all their life so i actually have data on this but let me ask you what do you think so uh, actually there are two perspectives right here and i think as a founder i find value in the fact that the board has a combination of both right advantage of a founder investor is that on ground it's much more real uh, in terms of the advice that they give it's not theoretical it's very real and sometimes these are very tactical situations that you're dealing with for example how to deal with a senior exit in the company right that is something that rarely if ever uh, a professional investor has dealt with in yeah. their lives right but a founder for a founder this is like the way of the world like they deal with it all the time but from a professional investor perspective the outside in perspective right where how should you look at the company's data how should you look at uh, narrating your company story some of those things are valuable uh, even there so personally i found value in having a combination of yeah. these but now as an so investor so the data is the opposite the data is more in line with what you just said so the data is operators don't make good investors and i can give you 10 reasons because i've been through that journey mm. the reason is what you just said and maybe we can digress into that the reason is operators live in the zone of i know and i will make it i'll make it happen and i will and i'm right hmm. you don't have that much scope for uncertainty because you're a founder you've got to make it happen hmm. that's the worst recipe for an investor hmm. an investor lives in the zone of uncertainty i don't know let me find out i don't mind being wrong if as long as i can make money hmm. right it's a very different mindset very different mindset you said outside in founders by definition they are the best founders are somewhat outside in they will do customer chats whatever but mm. ultimately it's very inside out correct this is the view and this is what to do mm. um best investors are always looking for what we call contra data mm. if you listen to me in the meetings you will often hear in our investment meetings these are all knowns mm. where is all the everything sounds like we are backing our own thesis mm. right where is the contra data so therefore now when this analysis was done it was about 60% 70% uh, non founder investors people who had like people like mike moritz he was mm. a journalist yeah. what is the most important trait of a journalist questioning which is underlying curiosity correct the best trait of an investor is questioning and curiosity mm. right and if you ask me the one thing that i find because you were you had asked me in some other context the one thing i find consistent across the best investors in the world hmm. is they are hyper curious hmm. right so wo founders mein kai baar nahi aata although my view is founders also should be that otherwise founders get if you have listened to some of the podcasts we have done industrial hmm. digit, digital industrialists infinity founders i think what differentiates them is what andy grove said only the paranoid survive right always trying to figure out what can go wrong what is outside but it has to be balanced with serious conviction and projecting conviction because you want your teams to succeed so it's very different character sets and 
The latest data, though, is it has moved a little bit more in operator-investor um, realm. But to me, that's a tautology hmm. because more operator-investors have started up. Hmm. And therefore, by definition, they are taking more share. Yeah. But if you were to ask me, it's it starts off as a big negative unless you are a... Now, that said, Matrix is an operator-investor firm. And why are we doing that? Why we have done that is... You are an experienced founder. We are betting, we are founder backers. Mm. And if you are founder backers, and again, it comes down to are you market backer? What are you picking? If you are founder backers, the founder has to respect you. Mm. And in your first round, you are more likely to respect somebody who understands your domain, Mm. has more founder empathy than in your later rounds. Mm. So our org approach is aligned to our strategic approach. Yeah, no, makes sense. Uh, So Anish, like today, if you're then hiring a VC, Right. Are you naturally looking at people who've been consultants, investment bankers to recruit a VC because they will probably Never. have that? No, outside. not anymore. We so we did Matrix 1.0 is all that. Yeah. And and they all senior people, including Vikram, Rajat, everybody, right? Because there was no other pool. Hmm. Today, are you going to respect somebody who's a consultant, a banker, or will you respect somebody who's built a fintech company before? Maybe they have failed, hmm. but they built something. Hmm. You're more likely to go with the latter. So we are hiring domain. Hmm. We are hiring domain and we have become the most domain specialist uh, VC in the country, I'll tell you. I mean, if you look at the last two years of team building, it's all domain, domain, domain. You know, and and the interesting thing around that is that we get a lot of inbound for hiring from people who are currently VCs or relatively maybe early in the VC journey. Yeah. But they're like, we want to experience this other side. Uh, and I always wonder why are they trying to make that switch uh, unless, of course, they don't want to be a VC, but some of these guys still want to be in the future. Looks like they want to get exposure to operating inside of a company. Is that a good approach? Very good approach. Very good approach. But if we back up, so every matrix person who tells me they want to become an operator or entrepreneur, I encourage uh, mm. significantly. Mm. Just quick digression. See, I'm a big believer over what's going to happen over the next decade. We have mm. discussed this before. I think the market digital, if you do the GDP and all of that, if India becomes 7, eight, not if, when India becomes 7, 8 trillion, mm. digital, we are more digital at 20 to 30% uh, penetration. There's a trillion to 2 trillion of market, market cap coming. So I would encourage everybody to be an entrepreneur right now. Mm. Honestly, if you ask mm. me, including my children and friends and family and all of that. Now, to me, if you have some VC background and you do that, you would have learned great outside in thinking. Sure. And start thinking, what do I not know? I think they can make great uh, operators. Mm. That's not the, not the history, by the way. Mm. If you look at global data, very, very few. Mm. Now, in India, Ashish is the best example of yeah. that. Uh, he's obviously done it and he's a broken Ashish Mohapatra of, of, of business, right? Now... Uh, the other way around, which is what we were discussing before, I think it's almost a must-have. Mm. Like I said, we won't hire people who don't have domain. Mm. So there is domain and there is investing. Mm. And we, t- we our uh, goal is people should come in and teach us domain and learn investing. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around. Mm-hmm. If they are great investors, they shouldn't come to us anyway. They should do their own thing, right? Mm. So mm. to me, yes, people. So when people are coming and uh, joining you, at the end of that exercise, mm-hmm. I think they are really well set up to be either a VC or a or a entrepreneur. 
कुणाल but i think that model will start also mm-hmm. much more i mean we are open to it um we have rahul choudhury right now yeah. um so founder uh, tribo x tribo yeah. he came to the vc side and he said i want to do something yeah. <laughs> right so yeah no in fact i had this conversation with him at one of these yeah. after a couple of drinks and i was asking him the exact same question yeah and he was like yaar i look khujli to hai abhi i want to do something yeah. uh, and that. and my view is if i if i had to take this call 10 15 years prior in this uh, environment i would yeah. become an entrepreneur yeah it is just so what you can create in terms of legacy um, when you go deep is different from what you can create in legacy when you go wide right sure. this is a width business sure. so though arguably there are vcs who spawned so many companies yeah uh because of the world view that they have yeah. and the help that they can give to the founder yeah that their leverage in life is significantly more right yeah so on that also some philosophical difference uh, sandeep i don't believe the vcs can really change a founder's destiny mm. i think the best founders suck it out of the vc mm. and so i think what those vcs did very well is either pick great founders mm. or pick great markets hmm. ahead of ahead of the trend sure right. and on that uh, uh, and that sort of brings me to my next part uh, avnish which is how like at matrix you would probably see the best deal flow i'm assuming like any founder who's reasonably got access to you guys would reach out you would be able to evaluate given that you see such high quality businesses what is your framework or mental model for figuring out which ones to back yeah so we do a thesis let's say any sector we pick we say if we are meeting a company without having a point of view hmm. on that sub sector hmm. we will not make that investment mm-hmm. and i think many of our peers are very good at it as well they will just say no thesis no is equal to no investment hmm. now what does a thesis mean to your point on trends all of that ultimately we are not in the consulting business hmm. so we want and which is why by the way we want more operators because operators by definition having come from the domain know where the skeletons are hidden hmm. that's our job to know where the skeletons are hidden and know where the reward is that others can't so it's a risk reward business hmm. vc is a business where you have to almost also imagine the future sure. right what can happen not just what what is happening now so what we do is we form a thesis the biggest question in our thesis that again i will ask and others will ask is what's the edge in our point of view hmm. again reiterating something i said earlier investing is a business of unknowns life is a business of knowns hmm. right so if you look at a 2 by 2 hmm. and say me known unknown hmm. and others known unknown hmm. if most of the time people operate in the known known box sure. that's not investing hmm. where we want to update uh, operate 
is known to me unknown to others hmm. both in risk and in reward that's the focus of our and thesis. that's the opportunity because if it was known to both it would probably it's have market. been discovered it's market right so we call that matrix edge box hmm. now you have to do a lot of outside in work to get there but the objective of a thesis hmm. and this is something the founder of matrix us told me in, when i asked him what is the uh, best advice you can give me and which will i connect back to your question on what do operators get wrong hmm. you start backing yourself hmm. you start backing your own thesis hmm. so he said look for the smartest person in the room hmm. don't be the smartest person in the room yeah right and that's the job of the thesis know enough and by the way let's take ola as an example hmm. so we had done a thesis tarun rajender i were driving this whole meru was going coming up savari like there was there mm. was a cab company a day this sure. was 2010 11 mm. we have all lived in mumbai the local cab experience is broken so you mm. first start with saying is there a pain point mm. significant pain point in mumbai despite having the black and yellows in other cities so there was nothing sure. right so significant pain point is there a technology edge unclear this was 2011 12 Hmm. does it need to be fixed so on so forth now you had you know cab companies like meru coming in where you call they was doing a pretty good job hmm. we went and did a full scan of that sector hmm. we went and met every uh, um, every company out there and we reached the conclusion that there is no way to build a large scalable business hmm. and there's a very poor business model which for various reasons hmm. including the fact that in tho- that era a cab company has zero network effects in going from one city to another city sure then we met mr bhavish hmm. and we told him you have no edge this that whatever hmm. and then he said you guys are completely wrong hmm. come to iit come to my office in powai see what i am doing hmm. so we went there it was like a most technology driven office i have ever been to in that era hmm. it had you know screens and monitors everywhere it was like a network operating center hmm. there were heat maps of where the demand is hmm. and where the demand and where he can they can guide the driver it was still 99% uh, phone based booking mm-hmm. so i said okay this is all interesting but it doesn't go from city to city. and then he said you're j- just thinking the present hmm. in those days location based services lbs hmm. had just come out because there was no smart data available there was no data hmm. so he said all of this will change and we said he's the smartest person in the room mm. let's back him sure that's a case study of how in my mind you have to know enough to ask the right questions such that you can spot the smartest person in the room so there was a thesis and then you came across and the thesis Mahavish. was negative thesis yeah. was negative we met every company in the space and we passed mm. and we met ola and we were going to pass mm. and then we realized we were wrong so the other big very important which is very unnatural for people hmm. change your mind very quickly hmm. in this business yeah <clears throat> both one you know positive or negative hmm. what happens is people get into what is called the confirmatory bias hmm. and they ke- keep seeing new data in their own views yeah that's why this business why is there only one warren buffett in the world mm. right that's why it's a little bit harder let's take another case study because this is very interesting i loved how you described the ola journey but let's take one card for example uh did there again you have a thesis and then you it was a positive thesis so i think one card anurag uh, actually met here at an event was introduced to me by uh, rajat and vikram mm. now here's the context my context on one card I had tracked Carlyle's journey with SBI cards. Mm-hmm. 
I knew SBI cards valuation on the day. Hmm. I had previously when I was in the US tracked in those days capital one all of these were that late 90s was when this industry was going up. Hmm. And the fact that 1 million cards is equal to 1 billion valuation. Hmm. I already knew before I had met. I didn't know that he was going to the fact that credit cards have a very deep profit pool. Hmm. I knew. The fact that credit cards in India are broken as a user experience we all knew. Hmm. So when we met him, we had positive thesis on the space. But the biggest question was, how are you going to differentiate and build it differently from everybody else? Mm. right? And that Anurag had been running this for eight, nine years. He was very clearly the smartest person in the room. Mm. And the smartest people in the room, it may sound counterintuitive, but founders should apply judgment and do this. I love it when people say, you are wrong. You don't have to do it yourself. Bhavesh is saying that Actually, Anurag is saying that. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's actually very energizing for me. Yeah. Actually, Revant, like most of our top founders, Ashish of, of business, Revant of Mosaic, I love that line because then I know not only that the founder knows a lot, hmm. but they have thought through what I am thinking sure. and why that is wrong for their business. Hmm. Chakri of country delight. I mean, so many times. So hmm. I think that's, a, that's when I know this person is going to create a lot of value. Right. So one card journey, positive on the thesis. Yeah. Um, met him. This is our experienced founder, quote unquote, playbook. He had run ICICS credit card business for eight years. Hmm. He has been through cycle. He's seen all of that because in financial services, you need, you are a through cycle entrepreneur. Hmm. Financial services cycles are coming. Mm -hmm. The question mm -hmm. is every two years or every five years. Right? And, and RBI has just passed a regulation seven days ago which changes the game. Yeah. yeah. So it's increased the risk margin for uh, lending on credit cards and personal loans. Correct. Suddenly you need a lot of more capital. Yeah. Uh, no, very interesting. And going in then, do you think yaar, if we put this much money, to itna banega isme? is that uh, one of the... Karte hai, more for discipline, but it's never right. Uh, but let me just finish the thesis point. Sure. We actually believe, uh, and you know, there are two points I want to make. One comes from Jim Breyer of Excel, who says, prepared mind. Mm. And you know, there is this thing about luck, that mm. luck is equal to preparation meeting opportunity. I think that's very important in our business, and I'll apply it to your context. Mm. Uh, so that's one piece of it. Second, like I said, change your mind quickly. Mm. This, guy, this guy, Fred Wilson of Union Square Ventures, who says, Strong views weekly held. Hmm. The problem with consultants, a lot of people, even operators, is it is strong views strongly held. Hmm. We want to be right. Hmm. Uh, not that we want the answer to be right. Yeah. We want to be right. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. answer is often right by you being wrong and you figuring everything else out around you. Yeah. Coming back to your, um, uh, so wealth management, we thought we had missed. Hmm. And we had a negative thesis on wealth management. Mm -hmm. And to Vikram and Rajat's credit, and I think we do this, different teams do it differently uh, within Matrix, but I think we do it reasonably well. We hold ourselves to a very high bar hmm. on where were we wrong and why. Which is like the anti-portfolio. Anti-portfolio, but anti-thesis also. Hmm. And sometimes we have anti-anti-portfolio because we thought it was anti, then it went under, then we feel good. call hmm. uh, Because ultimately, you're just trying to reprogram your judgment and your sure. neural networks, right? So, in the case of Deserve, we had reached the conclusion that we were wrong on wealth management. Mm. And if you remember, my guess is the, the discussions we were having would have been, what is your thin edge of the wedge? Now, yeah. in your case, 
it was easier because you start with an unfair advantage mm. so it make, make so ultimately succeeding in startups is about harnessing unfair advantages to mm. get off the ground sure. after that you have to compete with everything yeah. else right so we thought we were wrong and then you showed up mm. not just showed up vikram knew you for a while and whatever mm. that was luck yeah right no in fact one of the things which i later found out yeah. is i ended up reading the thesis um and the fact that affluent folks need guidance on where to invest when to invest yeah. right we didn't articulate it that way yeah. right but that when we read it it seemed yeah. clear as day yeah. so in that sense that thesis uh, yeah. was there and then connecting back to your earlier point on trends and i know at some point you'll come to my personal investing hmm. then you have to back up and say what are the trends in the market hmm. you know affluence is going up hmm. people have less time hmm. India savings percentage into equities was only two and a half percent. Now it's gone to five percent. Mm. SIPs are hitting. Abhi to it's very clear. Mm. Three years ago, when you started, two years ago, these were the beginnings of the trends, sure. right? All these trends are playing out. Mm. Even fixed investing uh, interest, in fixed income investing is broken. Mm. People are leaving money in the bank accounts. Don't even know how to do FDs. Mm. F- then forget the bond market. Mm. So these trends were becoming clear. Then you go and pattern match this mm. globally and say what happened in other countries when the same stage of economic growth was happening more importantly when the same stage of gdp per capita was happening mm. and it's obvious this will all play out mm. right then it's a question of right to play right to win all of that comes in yeah no makes sense and i think uh, a lot of investors have that view where you look 10 years ahead right and it's not easy like sitting here we can yeah. debate that wealth mein to paisa banna hi hai and people yeah. are going to get wealthier but yeah. there are so many things along the way yeah. that might come and like sort of hurt that journey a but that i believe that the best founders live unconstrained journeys so i, I one of my definitions uh, of founders mindset is you know lot of people you give them resources and you go, give them goals mm. you know they try to meet them founders generate founders have goals they generate resources right i'll tell you one um, potential pitfall of looking 10 years forward mm. is that you only think pitfalls mm. i think the best founders think 10 years out and then backwards sure saying this has to be done this is what which is what mm. i think i believe people will some people will miss what's going to happen with india because it's very hard to imagine but will there be a, uh, aero taxis robo taxis india just gave permission to a aero taxi service 7 days ago or 10 days ago yeah. a year ago you would say how is that possible in india yeah. today if i tell you that there'll be drone based deliveries in india you will say not possible look at this that whatever or if we say there'll be autonomous cars we'll say not possible look at the traffic mm. 100% will be there mm. could there be separate lanes from them could there be new technology that comes out yeah. so i think future backwards in every way is very hard to and then the concept of leapfrogging because for india a lot of the stuff like especially in the rails and financial services that we see did not do not exist in other countries right and the reason they don't exist because the markets are already large i think it's a great point yeah. it's a great point we are able to leapfrog also our digital infrastructure is the best in the world absolutely we always used to uh worry that you know our our infrastructure is broken this that whatever mm. our soft infrastructure is literally the best in the world yeah yeah so. the uh, now quantify for me avnish and i know this is a hard one 
when do you call an outcome a successful one let's say you invested going in into seed and series a say 10 million dollars into a company How, when do you say that that outcome was successful in purely number terms for matrix number terms i would say modest is 3x uh, winner is 10x plus and okay is 5 to 10 hmm. but it's never worked out like that hmm. i think it's either modest or outlier so it's either 20 to 100x we made 100x almost twice hmm. uh, no i think we have made 100x we are in the money on 70 80x once and 50 60x and this 20 to uh, 80 90x we have maybe five six seven eight companies if i count the ones that are underway also hmm. and then there is the 3x or less Hmm. very seldom it's in this and that's the nature of a business it's a power law business and do most vcs think about this in in this way no because we you can't plan for that hmm. so none even we don't think about it like that hmm. but i'll tell you most vcs results are still the same hmm. so if you look at the most successful funds in the world hmm. um, one company has accounted for 80% of the returns in let's say 50 60% of the cases hmm. two companies have accounted for 80 to 90% of the returns in the next 30 40%. So by that time even if you look at our funds it's generally driven so far by one fund with a fund you are in we are very excited because right now it looks like 10 companies. Mm. If that happens it will be probably India's best fund but who knows I it, I don't think it always plays out like that. Mm. But our fund too is four companies. Mm. Right? Got it. The rest are important they contribute. But they are in the 3x 4x they are not you know your outlier returns and therefore i think i i guess what you're saying is either the companies are not successful at all modestly successful or then super successful that correct middle range of 7 in 8x in our kind of business in in private equity that middle range is very important to juice their returns because they are planning for the 3 to 5x hmm. so the 5 to 10x can really juice their returns and the check sizes are large for us it it that really happens hmm. You had asked me this earlier. Do we plan for it at entry? Yes, we do exit modeling. Hmm. Our ex exit model showed 125 million dollar valuation for Ola. Hmm. It's today seven billion. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> our exit model showed 250 million. I think in the base case for something like a country delight. So already a billion will probably be a multi-billion. Hmm. One card. I was always very optimistic, and Anurag will shoot me that this can always be eight to ten billion. Hmm. So now. that doesn't determine whether we invest in the company hmm. it determines how we allocate capital subsequently to the company sure right and by that time we have more data sure and typically 18 to 36 months into a company's life you kind of know where it is heading so just to explain this more this is where you are putting in more capital into the subsequent rounds that the company is raising and that is guided by this exit modeling uh decision no i'm saying exit modeling we will do at entry but that will not i mean at at a you know few tens of million valuation that's not going to if we think the exit of that company is 50 60 we won't even invest sure so we the assumption is we are interested because it's a few hundred million dollars minimum yeah. uh, exit right so that's the exit model at entry we do it to keep ourselves disciplined hmm. but what really happens is we start looking at it and it also helps us think what we call nbr next round backwards nrb next round backwards where we say what is the scale of this company and how much uh, you know would it be valued at that, at that stage therefore what is the price we can pay today if we want a 3x for example right yeah where exit is very important 
is when you're doing the subsequent rounds, how much capital you're putting in and all of that, how is that view now tracking versus the view at entry? Hmm. And generally we have found, and for various reasons, companies that are tracking at or ahead of plan hmm. end up then becoming outliers. Hmm. And that's because it tells us, I think, and this is no science, but I just think founder and market and everything are getting aligned. Like stars are getting aligned hmm. and founder is riding on the back of that. Sure. But we give up to my own read 18 to 24 months, but I think it can take up to 36 months. But in that window, you kind of know. Very, very few. There will be exceptions, but that will be less than 5% of the ones that do well. Hmm. That will blossom after 36 months. And in a sense, therefore, you are reassessing that investment at every periodic interval. But we have to, in fact... What we say, the team, uh, also the mantra is investment thesis ends at investment. Hmm. After that, you're again looking for the unknowns. And what we say for the next round is not how much the knowns have played out better or uh, better than expected. Hmm. How have the unknowns played out? And I guess how the company has reacted to that also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, you look at five star, you know the company well. Yeah. Every possible crisis that could happen has happened with that company. So mm. when that company was going public, if I could, I would have bought $50 million of that stock. Mm. Because I've seen the founder through Demon, ILNFS, COVID, some local you know, politics in Tamil Nadu, every possible crisis. Mm. Oh, RBI norms changing every year yeah, to two years. Yeah. And the company has only done better and better. It is compounding. I think it is a big compounder. There are many in the portfolio like this, but that's an example. Yeah, and we were big buyers in the pre-IPO uh, time right. as deserved. Uh, no, uh, this is quite clear. Now, let's zoom out for a moment and say that, let's assume you are LPs. Now, a lot of Indian families, high net worth individuals are investing into funds. What should their framework be of identifying funds in this early stage category? Like assuming that they would want to create a portfolio and not Are they looking at one. a new fund or a fund with track record? Let's say a fund with track record. So that's easy. Yeah. Number one will be track record. But what people miss hmm. is very few, you know, people don't realize how little persistence of performance exists in this business. It's hmm. very low. Hmm. One would think reputation, everything I told you, it's hard for new funds to start all of that. But the reality is there's strategy drift. There's people turnover. Hmm. Uh, they, they the the people who got the firm to a certain stage are no longer as as involved. Hmm. So what would I look for? I'd look at track record. But what I want to see if I'm making a new investment because track record is not going to come to me. Hmm. Is what is their strategy? What is their continued right to win? Hmm. Even as a fund, you're thinking about that. What is their right? To, why have we built a, a team of domain experts? That's our right to win. Hmm. And we are compounding now, thanks to founders like you, where new founders tell exist, existing founders tell potential new founders, you know, this is a good firm to partner with. And we are happy to do that with all the other top tier firms and partner together, right? Hmm. So I would ask that, hmm. what is your edge? Why would a founder take your money? That's my number one question. Yeah. And after, because see, increasingly, this is not a business where you're picking founders. The best founders are picking you. Hmm. because there's so much opportunity that there's so many good founders here now. Hmm. Why will the founder pick you? How will you first, how will you get to the founder early? And then how will they pick you? If you see our password, internally it's C deals first and externally it's founders first. Yeah, Those are the two models, right? Uh, so that's, then 
specific to sector focused funds because i don't even believe a generalist fund has a short if you ask me uh, maybe maybe at a very sub uh, level then the second question is sector expertise hmm. so together they know saas better they will they have a right to play they have a right to win they can help the companies they can potentially merge companies with each other very clear hmm. right they have a right to play and right to win there are other funds in india that have done a decent job so you feel like track record is almost like a filtering criteria and after that you're trying to figure out what is the right to win for the fund yeah. why would a founder take money from this particular fund as opposed to the many that are out there and yeah. if you are able to answer that question you should invest in that yes uh, and and you know what is the biggest disclaimer in all financial services projections the past performer is not no indicator of future performance yeah i think but that, it's so true yeah and people really make that mistake yeah. i think even funds from the same house with different vintages yeah get things right and wrong like yeah. some vintages are inherently it will generally be traced back to if that if they always had a right to play and right to win it will generally be traced back to team turnover hmm. or change in strategy hmm. so a lot of times what got you from a to b hmm. people change to try to get to b, from b to c sure one big example is increasing check sizes hmm. you don't know how to play that space hmm. but you end up in that space sure so i think in india we see also we have seen this a lot in my view uh, the market is capped at a 7 750 venture fund if you raise more than that you will not win yeah so funds which become too large therefore yeah. find it hard to deploy capital yeah, yeah. or it. they will deploy it but in the wrong places yeah right yeah. we have seen this by the way already in the last one or two years people are pricing deals higher than they should Hmm. because they are not in this set and hmm. they are trying to break into the set hmm. and they have adverse selection because yeah. sometimes we'll be, we we would have passed on like all the top so called top vcs hmm. would have passed on something that somebody's doing hmm. uh avnish see i mean today you are in a position where you have a lot of companies which are in the pre ipo stage or in fact have also gone public like five star and therefore i guess you end up interacting a lot with public market investors yeah and when you do you probably are able to look at patterns in how they think differently versus how a vc thinks differently right what are some of those differences which have been really stark to you and say that this is a uh, sort of a, a mechanism on how a private market investor thinks versus and this is a clear contrast between the two almost everything is a contrast there's only 15-20% overlap and I think they are better investors, uh, public market investors. Now I can argue maybe VCs can spot reward more. I will say what, what has, I mean we had a slide full of learnings of maybe 10 points. What mm. is the number one? They are bottoms up, we are top down. Mm. So they don't care about sectors, trends to them, everything changes all the time. Sure. So they are looking at show me the company. Mm. then i will tell you whether it's good or not mm. if i if i ask them a sector now of course i think the best investors are bottoms up mm. less theme, in public markets the best vcs are thematic mm. so it's as dark as it comes mm. and when i talk to them i sometimes feel uh you know that i'm just asking very idiotic questions because mm. the framework is very different mm. um, and i think VCs and private market investors have a lot to learn from public market investors. Mm. Public market investors have some to learn, maybe mm. being a little bit more top down. Like if I say India GDP is level pe jayegi, theek hai jayegi, but valuations bahut zada hai, mm. right? Mm. That is the ultimately is the in the business part. of making money. Yeah, right? sure. Uh, so I would say that is a a lot to learn from them. Mm. Uh, and honestly, second. 
profitability versus growth around this varies by market hmm. uh, but return on capital employed rosi 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 big learning from them yeah. huge learning from them where are we the same we are the same in ma- founders and management hmm. really backing it but again i think they are black and white on corporate governance hmm. i think private market guys sometimes yeah. take uh, take you know the gray area on corporate governance sure. they just don't want to touch it nahi karna hai right there are enough uh, fish to fry right correct why is this difference there and this is going up even more in any public market investor do you what basket of stocks do you think they are tracking they are tracking a set of investable stocks in india for example that's about 200 to 300 stocks yeah and that is going up rapidly in yeah. terms of number right yeah. listed are 300 and depending on your strategy listed are 3000 so some are looking at yeah. so they have no fomo yeah the best investors don't have fomo private market investors live in fomo because you can also get in later, later right yeah abhi chhut gaya to baad mein le lenge right baad mein chhut gaya to dusri cheez le lenge right so they don't feel compelled hmm. uh, and i think patience that lot of that stuff Hmm. what can they learn from us i think top down hmm. i think think thinking bigger i think potential uh, what we can learn again from them is the quality of diligence hmm. i mean everything is outside in hmm. vendors ye yeah, wo go and find out like smell out the 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 issues in the company sure. right um so what i think is the founder uh, the promoter partnership hmm. i think private market investors do much better much better okay. and to the extent public markets could do that hmm. i think they would enjoy it but that's not their business model they want to stay objective yeah one of the things which has stood out to me is how public market investors deal with what i call narrative violation yeah like as a f- uh, promoter of a company if i have articulated a certain game plan and i'm not sticking to it yeah. that for them would be a cost to sell yeah because yeah. it's not fitting into the thesis in which they invested whereas yeah. in private investors yeah. they are seeing that as a nimbleness of the founder to adapt to different situations right yeah yeah that and and i think and that's correct and i also think it's the best self correcting and self discipline disciplining force out there i would never want to run a public market company mm-hmm. i think it's too hard mm-hmm. but i think every founder should that's why i chose a different path so i can get away with it uh it's the best reality check and uh, self disciplining that that is out there and it's how how the markets are built right yeah. there's a reason why there's a vc there's a later stage ultimately it's public markets right yeah. no very cool uh, avnish i'm now coming to a personal uh, discussion around how you manage your money and before that like today if you were to have 100 dollars of investment surplus how much of that was created in the matrix journey and how much of that was created courtesy of the bazi exit 80 Just 90% bazi even today wow so where has the vc industry paid off yeah. <laughs> yet it's starting to pay off right got it so how do you then invest so i got lucky i, I you know indian i bought in bandra real estate at 4000 rupees what do you think uh, today kandi valley is 50000 or something like that right so I caught two or three cycles of 3x in real estate in India. Real estate has always always fascinated me. I had one first principles of real estate correctly in my head from the beginning, hmm. which is rental yield is equal to is greater than interest rate only then buy otherwise sell. Hmm. I just applied that three times consistently. Right? You got three times opportunity to be able to do that. So I, 2003 bought sold in 2006 or five then bought sold in 10 and then bought sold in 14 and that's it hmm. after that market didn't move now latest one i don't care i'm 
you know, just looking at it as more personal uh, thing. Right. So three times on that and mm. equity markets. Mm. Um, both I started early. Also, I was not shy of leverage. So mm-hmm. I have bought, I was backing myself. Mm. And I used to always say only equities mm. and serious debt for real estate because mm. it's asset backed. Right? Sure. But it wasn't, it was just instinctive to me. Uh, I so, yeah, I'll just explain that. Yeah. I'm assuming you mean that when you bought real estate, you took a loan for that. Whereas on the equity side, that was funded from your own capital. You didn't borrow to invest. Correct. In no margin equities. trading and all that sure. because I, I lost my entire net worth in the dot-com bust in the US because of margin. Hmm. So I'd learned that lesson. So, uh, but I always bought beyond my means because I said, I will take debt. Hmm. Uh, and Indian interest rates had started to moderate. They weren't crazy yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, one could see, and again, b- being a believer in India. Mm. So I was way overweight real estate. Mm. Maybe up to 60-70% uh, of my net worth. Mm. Then at the right time, I started kind of dialing it down because I've always believed equities is the right answer. Mm. Never in fixed income. Zero in fixed income. Mm. Even now. Mm. Um, so I knew my future net worth is all going to be in equities but in the riskiest asset class, which was private equities and in and technology. So I knew most of my future net worth will be this. Hmm. So I didn't want most of my present net worth to be that. Hmm. Right. So real estate seems real. Hmm. And again, I got lucky with the timing of the market. Equities also. I have at different stages sold equities to pay off debt mm-hmm. because I never wanted to screw up cash flow. Mm. Um, and there have been instances, there have been again many crises along the way, right? Mm. And I wanted to keep investing in our own funds. Future network, 10 years out, this will be 70 80%. Yeah. And uh, just to on that particular point, as a VC investor, you have to put money in, back into your own fund, right? And that's probably a significant drain on the cash flow in any case. I think it's the best investment. It's my best IRR is my own investments. And by the way, uh, people think VCs make fees. I have been negative cash flow in this business. Out of the 17 years, probably for 15 or 16. And it's by design. I want to be negative cash flow. Mm. I never want to live off the fees. Mm. Uh, so what does that mean? Whatever, it's generally two to three times of whatever fees may be coming to me personally that are going back into the fund. Mm. And um, and so a lot of the original piece of that was the Bazi equity also. Yeah, It went into the fund. Amazing. No, this has been super clear. Uh, great, uh, Avnish, having you on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. Thank you so much for the time. Super. It. I think we have spent uh, quite a bit of time on this and it didn't feel like that. So well done. Uh, it just flowed and uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank Sandeep. you so much. Cheers.